Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Welcome to Real Life Church. Man, we are so expectant of all that God is going to do in this place today. So whether you're with us here at Kentucky Trail or you are joining us online, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to worship God big together today. I saw sinful like thy name. I saw darkness run for cover. Now I'm alive. This is my 
so that we can have a story of life. And so we're going to continue and praise our God today because he is worthy. Saving grace, we're not done yet. You're my hope. 
praise him together. We get to give God the one thing he can't give himself, and that's worship. So as we sing this next song of surrender, really this prayer of surrender to him, don't let it be just words that you say. Man, shake up the ground today. Break down a wall of something that is holding you back from encountering him in this space today.
take every selfish ambition, every distraction out of the way from getting to you today. God, we want nothing else than you. So God, we give this back to you today as a sign of surrender. Father, all we are, all we have is yours. God, all the glory and all the honor is yours today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise this morning. Man, I know what you make room for God to move in your life and he shows up, he can move there. And you know, no, no, what? We are making room for God to move in this space. You may have noticed some extra chairs in here this morning and we are expectant for all God is doing and want every person who walks in to know there's room for them here, room for them to experience God. So find a seat, come up front, scoot in, it's a lot of fun. Um, but man, thank you guys for being here today. I'm excited to see you all. I'm excited to see you in the house today. Um, and let's give a quick shout out to our friends who are real life church, kc.com, online, church online. Let them hear you today. Yeah, man, we're excited that you're joining with us. So, hey, we're take a second before you sit down, reach out, give somebody a high five, a fist bump, a wave, smile, and then have a seat in just a couple minutes or seconds. can have a seat. Hey, if you're new with us today, it means the world to us that you have chosen to come out and worship with us today to spend your Sunday. And so I hope that you have felt welcome, but we would love also to connect with you. And there's a couple ways that we can do that. And the first one is this, you can take out your phone, you can text RLNEW to 97000, or there is a QR on the back of the seat in front of you, you can scan that. That's going to give you a place where I'd love to invite you to fill out our digital connection Card, So we can just connect with you. Thank you for coming out, um, praying for you. And we would just love to welcome and connect you in that way. And also, if you're here with us in person, head on out to the New Here booth right after this gathering in the hub. Our team there would love to welcome you as well. But we have a free gift for you just to thank you as a small token to say thanks for coming out and spending your Sunday with us here at Real Life. Um, and why do we do that? Why do we do all this? Because we believe that souls matter to God. The souls of people are so important. And that is really, it's our mission. It's why we exist for people who are far from God to discover real life and purpose in Jesus. Man, God's heart is people. God loves people and the messy, the lost, the broken, the hurting, those people who are just searching for something. God loves those people. We love those people. We are those people. We've been those people, right? We are messy and God loves us. And so we get to come together on Sundays just as a place where prodigals can come home, come here, get filled up and then scatter back out across our city to help people who don't know the love of God, to help people who are far from him. That is why we exist. And so I hope that you're encouraged and inspired by being here today to leave this place on 
fire to be able to bring the people of God. And we have these empty chairs, so thank you for those of you who've been inviting. We have so much coming up with Easter, and just it's an exciting time to be bringing somebody to sit alongside you next week. Because sometimes I think it's kind of hard maybe to bring or invite somebody with you, right? It feels weird, but... I think that maybe it might be not as complicated as we make it. What if bringing somebody to Jesus wasn't about saying the right words or having the right strategy? Maybe it's a lot simpler than that. And you know, it might be that the most powerful arsenal that you have in the toolbox of your weapons against, um, or your weapons for bringing people to Jesus is something that you already possess. It might be the simple way that you use your voice to show others Jesus. And so today, Sean is going to walk us through as we discover how God used people like John the Baptist and Andrew and John to simply use their voice to help people come to see Jesus. And so let's continue our series, Bring. Nice work, babe. Good morning, guys. How you doing? You guys alive out there? Oh, man. Well, I hope you had a good week uh, praying and really planting seeds for the gospel. We're in the series called Bring and about bringing people to Jesus. And today we're going to make it uh, as least complicated as possible and really get to the heart of the gospel. I want to start with a question today. Uh, have you ever been in a room with somebody that's famous, uh, maybe like an icon or, or maybe that has a lot of followers and you'd recognize and you couldn't help but to meet them? Anybody been in that space? Uh, maybe it's after a football game or backstage at a concert, or maybe you're at the airport. I know a lot of people, a lot of people famous in the airport at the stall next to them. Come on, somebody, right? And you couldn't help but shake their hand, right? Um, I don't know about you, but I've had this happen in my life. Um, in 2015, uh, I was in Colorado. I was helping Buddy just launch a church on a Sunday. It was this coolest thing. And we ended up, uh, by God's providence, at the Red Rocks in Denver. And it just so happened to be Worship Night in America. So here's Chris Tomlin, Lou Giglio, uh, Carrie Joe, Matt Marr all these other guys in this amazing concert venue. And uh, we go to the hotel, and the next morning we wake up, and me and Diane were pulling our luggage out of the front. And uh, lo and behold, who's there? There's Carrie Job and the crew eating their breakfast, right? And I was like, that'd be kind of weird, like, to go over. And so we're like, hey, let's go for the door. You know, I'm not going to go bother people. But on the way out the door, there's this little short guy. Come on, somebody. And uh, it was Chris Tomlin. He's standing right there. I was like, oh, dude, this is awesome. So like, hey, babe, we got to go meet Chris. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you know Diane or not, but she's a complete introvert. Um, She'd really get bamboo shoved under her fingernails, then go meet Chris Tomlin, right? (laughs) And so I'm just like, no, 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 we're going to do it. So I grab her hand, like, we're going to meet Chris, right? So I'm like, hey, Chris, uh, I'm Sean's wife, Diane. And, man, what an incredible concert last night. It was awesome. And, you know, a little small talk. I said, you do a great job, man. How do you you get the passion to write all these songs? And he goes, man, I, I just got to give some credit to David. I think one day when I get in heaven, we're going to have a little conversation about me stealing all his words, you know. I thought, wow, he's thought about this a few times, right? He gets it all the time, right? And so without missing the beat, I don't know what is wrong with me. Um, but literally, look at Chris Tom, I'm like, hey, um, where's Louis Giglio, right? I mean, he spoke last night. I love Louis. He's like, man, you know. And Diane, she's like this, like, oh, just like what an idiot, right? He's like, uh, he went home last night to Atlanta. I was like, oh, that's cool. It was great talking, Chris, you know. And so I walk off, and Diane, she's just next to me. She's just like, what an idiot. What is wrong with you, you know? Like, where's Louie, right? And so uh, I don't know. I get awkward, but I, I told Diane, I said, look, who can say that they've met Chris Tomlin? Come on, somebody, right? It was weird, but we can always say we did it, right? And so I want to encourage you today. Think about this. If Jesus were to walk into this gathering at any moment, come down the aisle, uh, what would it be like? What, what would it be like for you? Matter of fact, I think it's going to happen is you're going to say, uh, forget this pony preacher. Come on, somebody. The word of God is here. The presence of God is here. And you're going to get to Jesus. Amen. You're going to gather around Jesus. Matter of fact, I don't think you're just going to go by yourself. 
I think you're going to grab the house of the hand of your spouse, uh, whether lost or whatever they think about God, and you're going to just bring them to Jesus. Amen? And there's going to be a line forming around Jesus. You're going to invade the kids' program. Come on, somebody. You're going to go through the doors, break through security, and get your kids. You're going to get on your phone. You're going to lift your voice. And, and you're going to start calling people. Hey, Mom, you got to get to real life today. Jesus is here in person. You're going to be in line. You're going to start taking selfies with Jesus, right? you hashtag presence of God. Emmanuel's here. You're going to have all this energy to share Jesus. All of a sudden, the news is going to spread. The line's going to go out through the hub and out into the parking lot. And the world's going to know Jesus here that fast. Amen? That's what it would be like if Jesus came in. We forget the entire program is the presence of God. And today is just a reminder that Jesus is alive, that he still wants you to bring people that maybe can't see him in this moment, that we should have the same passion as he walked in the room today. Amen? It's a reminder of what it is to be a follower of Christ, a reminder of how to bring people to Jesus, and not some, like, fake strategy or some phony, like, oh, here's the words to say and here's the things to do, but the heart of somebody who's an evangelist. That's what today is all about and what it looks like for somebody when they actually meet Jesus for the first time. And so I'm just praying that God moves in this room, and more than that, I'm praying that you would be a part of the movement of God. These next two weeks that you'd be just focused and praying and planting seeds and investing and inviting and redemptive relationships to bring people to Jesus and let them get in his presence. Let them see who Jesus is and let God get into them because they can't help but to humble themselves and follow him. And so today we're going to start with a story, uh, another video. Uh, this is a young couple that uh, just began their relationship with Jesus. They've overcome skepticism and doubts and really the, really the things the world puts out and have just taken a step of faith. And today we're going to celebrate the voices that played a part of their story to find Jesus. So check this out. My name is Gavin. Uh, Mackenzie. And this is our story. Growing up, I thought there's, it just doesn't make sense. A man died and came back to life. It just doesn't make sense. But as I grew, I just kind of grew further and further away from the church, from God, from Jesus, because of that battle between logic and faith. I think it was just losing part of myself, the parts that I enjoyed, the fun parts of my life. It was a battle between that and logic and at the end of the day, what I believed in. As I was growing up, I went to church with my grandparents and my parents, but after a while we kind of stopped going, so that was a time for me to kind of question Christianity as a whole. I was, you know, wondering just different stuff, so I wanted to branch off on my own and kind of learn it my own way, not the way my parents and my family see it. My best friend was Logan growing up, and I spent countless nights, hours, days, weeks at a time at Logan's house. And what Logan does on Sunday, he gets up at like five in the morning and goes and sets up for real life. And I'm like, okay, Gavin, you wanna go with me to real life? Set up with me, tear down with me? I guess. Eventually I kinda got tired of it because as a kid I wasn't as into the faith. Last year, Christmas Eve, um, I think I was on the wrong end of Noah's Ark because we went out having Christmas Eve lunch with her family and we get back and as we pull into the parking lot, we're like, what is, there's water all over our parking lot. Where did this come from? And we get closer and see the patio, it's just pouring. And I'm thinking, somebody's pipe busted. So I was all freaked out about water being everywhere. So I was, you know, I was crying. I'm like, and, but I didn't really have 
Just seeing how he was handling it, I wanted to handle it as well as he was. And then we open the door and everything is ruined. It's been running for hours, but the pipe bursted between our floor and the upstairs floor and everything got ruined. And I think it was a point for me to take me out of the logical, the physical mindset. None of this stuff matters. It's not the point of life. And so that night, calling insurance, calling the apartment, calling maintenance, calling everybody, nobody really had a good answer because it was Christmas Eve. Everybody was with their family. They weren't answering the phone. Insurance, they just gave me a claim and put a bunch of work on me. So that night, I decided to call the one line that I hadn't called. And I sat down and I, she was asleep and I just laid next to her and prayed. And I got, I got a feeling of comfort and f like I was forgiven. That was my sign, that was my, go it's time to go back to church, Gavin. If God is willing to let everything you think you love get ruined, maybe it's time to start loving something else. He really wanted to go back to real life this, these, over these past few months. I was like, okay, it sounds like a cool church I would enjoy going to. It just took me a while to really you know, start to believe in it more. So I've been trying to read the Bible and trying to just keep Christian values in my life. I think God is trying to tell me that what we're, we need to work through is we need to have both of us against what we need and have God on, you know, on our shoulders helping us through. Nothing feels whole. Like your whole life, no matter what you do, how much money you make, how many girls you sleep, whatever it is, nothing feels whole until you find God. You have to put logic aside. Coming to real life with Gavin, um, knowing the Hardys, so you know, having someone I know there kind of helped me because I'm more shy. But I'm just really grateful that I wasn't forced, but he greatly encouraged me to come to church. And when we got there, I just fell in love. Everyone was so nice. Um, you know, meeting Sean and Diane and Brian, they're all just so welcoming and it was just really awesome to see and be a part of. I'm thankful for God for flooding my apartment. I'm thankful for all the mornings Logan woke me up early. Even though I didn't notice it at the time, he was, he was teaching me the most important things. Logan brought me to church. Gavin brought me to church. Now we invite you to bring somebody to church. Come on, give it up for Gavin and McKenzie. How cool is that? And there's one of the voices in his life right there. Weeks at your house, Mary. That's amazing. And uh, I just love the story because uh, you got a really growing up through normal education, right? And uh, playing those seeds of doubt and skepticism and this young man finds Jesus. And uh, he can point back to say there's some voices in my life. Uh, the Hardy family let me crash there. And uh, man, shout out to Logan, right? Uh, for pouring to him, Logan, he's at March Madness, that dog, right? Um, man, but can you get for the Hardy family for being a voice to point to Jesus? Come on. I don't know, I think Barry was tearing up over there. I was sitting next to him, but <laughs> man, it's, it's cool to play a part of the story. And I love how he called on Jesus and Jesus answered, amen. It's just how Jesus works. There was a call on the Lord shall be saved. And in that moment, it's like just desperation for the one thing you know can be sure is Jesus and how God's always faithful to show up. And today, I believe some of you guys are going to put your faith in Jesus today. Uh, some of you guys are going to make that call. You're going to pick up that phone. You're going to say, Jesus, I need you. 
because I've been doing my own way. I've been following my own path. But today, I believe you are the one true son of God, and you died across my sins. You're going to change everything for you. Uh, what's really cool is uh, Gavin and McKinsey, um, they were signed up to get baptized on Easter. Come on, somebody. Is that amazing? I mean, it's full circle what God is going to do. And so today, uh, we're going to celebrate and uh, really look at what it talks about, like, to, to bring somebody to Jesus. Uh, what's the heartbeat that you have to have inside of you to get somebody to the cross? Like, what, what's the heartbeat of evangelists? We're all called to share Jesus. Uh, but I'm not going to give you some kind of, some method or strategy or whatever. But I want to look at the heart of somebody, that what they look like on the inside to get somebody to the cross. And what it looks like when somebody finds Jesus. And so today we're going to jump in really to a story of a man named John the Baptist. Uh, John is a cousin of Jesus. And uh, he uses his voice to point people to the cross. And so if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, I want you to turn to John chapter 1. And it will be in verse 19. And we'll start out. It says this. Now, this was John's testimony. Now, anytime you see the name John in the book of John, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about John the Baptist. And so it says, this was John the Baptist's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Uh, you think about these Jewish leaders. These are maybe the temple police, maybe part of the Sanhedrin, the family of the high priest. These people would hostile to the things of God, hostile to things of Jesus, and they were definitely hostile to John the Baptist. And so they sent them to ask John the Baptist who he was. He said, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. This is John the Baptist. He said, I'm not the Messiah. Then they asked him, who are you? He said, are you Elijah? Um, They would have known this out of Malachi chapter 4. There's a a prophecy that would say Elijah was going to come. And John the Baptist said, he said, I am not Elijah. But you know in the New Testament that John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah on him, but he was not Elijah. He goes on to say, are you the prophet? Not are you a prophet, but are you the prophet? And they're referring back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, where it says this prophet will rise up, his voice will rise, and the word of God will come out of his mouth. And it's really talking about Jesus, the Messiah. And so John the Baptist replies, no. Verse 22, he says this, finally they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Who are you? Who sent you? Why are you on mission? What is going on? And John says something that's so profound, it's so prolific, it's so important that it even speaks to us today. John humbly replies this. He says, in the words of Isaiah the prophet. See, John the Baptist went right back to the scripture, just like Jesus would have done. And he quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, like almost verbatim. And he says this, I am the what? I'm the I'm the voice. I'm just a voice. He didn't even call himself John the Baptist. He didn't call himself a person. He said, I'm a voice calling in the wilderness to make straight the way for the Lord. Here's the first thing if you're going to bring people to Jesus and play a part of the story. You have to answer the question, who are you? Are you a businessman? Are you a concrete guy? Come on, Barry, right? Are you a pickleball player? Are you a son or a dad? Are you a hardworking American? What are you? Who are you? And so for John the Baptist to answer this question, his reply was simply this, I am a voice. That, that's all I am. I'm, I'm just the one that's going to point people to Jesus, and I'm going to fade away into obscurity. Uh, I'm not even anything else. Don't even recognize anything else about my life. I'm just a voice that's going to point people to Jesus, to the anointed one, to the Messiah. I, I, my whole life is leveraging for the kingdom of God so people know his name and not my name. I'm simply just a voice. Think about this voice calling out in the wilderness. He was actually quoted a, a, a prophet in Isaiah 40, verse 3. He literally quoted another person who said this. 
This was spoken uh, to, the, to really the Jewish people that were in captivity in Babylon. And he said that your voice calling out in the wilderness makes straight the way to the Lord. What's happening here is he's quoting this prophet that said, hey, these Jewish people that are in captivity, they're being persecuted, they've been exiled out of their country in Babylon. I want you to make a straight path home through the eastern desert. I want you to level out the sand dunes to bring these people out of captivity. You see where this is going? I mean, for John the Baptist, this was so profound that he was going to level the ground, he was going to move barriers and obstacles and make a path of freedom leads directly to Jesus. And for us as Christians, is there any better terminology that we should have in our life to say that we are making straight the path to the Lord, amen? That we're moving barriers and obstacles and the things that stop people from seeing God, including our own pride, and we move out of the way and just humbly say, hey, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. I'm just going to make a path to the freedom found in Jesus and level the ground so people can find and know Jesus and lift my voice so people can find him. So who are you? Today you're just a, you're just a voice. You're just a voice. It's more important than anything you do. It's more important than any title you have. It's more important than anything that you proclaim. It's more important than your name on lights and your name being successful and people knowing you and erecting a statue, that you're just a voice in this generation to point people to Jesus, to lift the banner high, and to flatten the path of freedom to Jesus and remove all obstacles for freedom so other people can know him. It says in verse 24, it says, Now the Pharisees who had been sent, so they questioned them and said, Why do you baptize if you're not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? He said, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me and says, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Can you imagine the humility for John to say this? I mean, John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandals. So what you have to realize is this, in that custom, that culture, the job of untying somebody's sandals was a job of a slave. Like you go into somebody's house and a slave would unstrap your sandals and take your sandals off your feet. That was the job of somebody that was an indentured servant. And what John the Baptist is saying is, I'm not even worthy to be a slave of the one that's to come. I'm not even worthy to be a slave of Jesus because he is so great. He is so mighty. He's so powerful. I'm not worthy, but only by God's grace, amen, that, that I can serve Jesus. It's only by God's grace that I can baptize so by God's grace, I can proclaim with a voice that there is Jesus. I mean, imagine the humility it would take to call yourself, I'm not even worthy of a slave. I mean, James is half brother, I'm a slave of Jesus. John the Baptist, I'm not even worthy to be called a slave. It says in verse 28, this all happened in Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, which is the Jordan River, where John was baptizing. Now check this out, verse 29, it says, the next day, so this is day one, now we're into day two, John saw Jesus. Now, this was the first time that John recognizes who Jesus is. He saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look, behold, what's it say? The what? The, the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who, got, who takes away the sin of the world. Man, what an incredible introduction to Jesus, amen? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Of all the things that John the Baptist could have started out with, he says, there's the sacrifice that's going to come for the world. You think about the Lamb of God. Uh, these people around him in that cult, or custom and culture would have understood what it meant to be a Lamb of God. 
They understood that the lamb was an Old Testament sacrifice. Every single day in the temple, they would take lamb and they would kill lambs. And they would shed the blood over the altar. And the, the shed blood would pay for the sins of God's people every single day. And what, what it's simply saying is John the Baptist saying, there's the lamb of God. There, there's the innocent one of God. There's the permanent, perfect sacrifice for our sins. Amen. It's the very first thing. John the Baptist has prepared the way, planned the way. He didn't know when it was going to happen. Matter of fact, he had no idea that Jesus was the Messiah. He had no idea that the, the Messiah was in his family. Amen. He had no idea. He was going to prepare the way, and then God was revealed to him and revealed to the nation of Israel. And he said, this is the Lamb of God who's going to die for the sins of the world. I don't know what kind of introduction that um, we have for Jesus, but if you're going to bring people to Jesus, you have to recognize the sacrifice that Jesus made. Amen? It never can leave your heart. You, you can never get past the cross. If your Christian walk is more about, like, conformity and people looking a certain way and you've forgotten about the cross of Jesus, that's called religion. That, that, that's called pharisaical, right? And we can never get past the point of that moment where, no, Jesus died for me. Like, behold the Lamb of God, amen? Like, that's the name that we first know by Jesus, don't we? I mean, when you first came to Jesus, did you know him as a Savior, yep. of the sacrificial one that died for you? We never get past that name of God, the Lamb of God, the anointed one that, that died for us, that his blood shed for us, that paid the price for our sins, that made us whole. We can never get past that moment where we clung to the cross, and it's only by God's grace that we're alive today, Amen? So Jesus is the Lamb of God. He takes away his sins. He removes the sins. He, he bears the sins. He carries off our sins. He lifts away the sins for us. This is exactly what John the Baptist came to do, was to proclaim Jesus, his voice, and lift up Jesus, and then fade into obscurity. So who, who are you today? You're a voice, a voice that recognizes the sacrifice of Jesus. You're a needed voice in this culture. You know, your voice matters in this culture. You know, most people don't understand the things of God, they, they see church as the kind of a relic and an enemy and an outdated, retreaded institution of a dead God, but it's a good kind of thing to do. Um, but that's not the truth, amen? We have the presence of God that, that shows us into people's lives and see them souls change and their sins forgiven and people are in desperate need of relationship with Jesus. They need the hope found in Christ. And we are the voice, we're the mouthpiece, the soundtrack of pointing people to God because we realize the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. John the Baptist goes on to say this in verse 30. He says, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me. He is greater than me. He's a higher rank than me because he was before me, that this man was before all things. In the beginning, God, Jesus always was and is and is to come. He says, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptized in water was that he might be revealed to Israel. He, he, he won the movement of God. He started baptizing and, and leading the way and, and doing the things of God because he wanted God to reveal himself to the nation. And I just can't think of a, a better thing you should do in your Christian life than be the kind of person that just wants the will of God and the presence of God to come on our generation. Amen? That we live in such a way where, where God reveals himself, where revival breaks out, where people know Jesus and their lives are changed, and we do all we can to, to magnify, to lift up, to point people to Christ in our generation and see things change for God. He wanted a move of God. Verse 32 says this, then John gave this testimony. John the Baptist gave this testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, remain on Jesus. 
Uh, th- this would be the really the remaining on Jesus was this permanent uh, possession that Jesus would have had. That this Holy Spirit would have just fallen on Jesus and would have indwelt Jesus and encompassed Jesus and stayed with Jesus every step of the way. He says, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testify that this is God's chosen one. And maybe if you have your Bible open, you might see this as God's chosen son. And what's amazing in this passage is that John the Baptist is baptizing with water, but it's a picture of the one that's to come that's going to baptize with what? The Holy Spirit. And for those of you guys who are going to get baptized in two weeks, or those who have been baptized, this is exactly what happened. When you're baptized uh, by water, it is a picture of what the Holy Spirit has already done in you. Amen? Uh, baptism by water is, is not salvation. It has zero to do with salvation. It really has to do about something different we'll get to. It's really just a picture of the Holy Spirit coming into your life. The moment you called on Jesus, the moment you said, yes, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me, the Holy Spirit invaded your life, amen? It came into your life, it dwelt your life, and it washed your sin as white as snow, as far as the east is from the west, and it made you pure. And so when you get water baptized, uh, what you're doing is you are just saying, this is what God had done inside of me. This is a picture of what's already taken place. And ultimately, as John the Baptist says right here, he says, I testify that this is God's chosen one. This is God's son. That when I'm getting baptized, I'm saying, I believe in Jesus and he is God's son. Amen. You come out of the water, it's like, behold the lamb. Amen. Like, this is all about Jesus. I'm living for him. I'm unashamed for the cause of Christ. And so I would encourage you today, if you have not been baptized and you know Jesus, man, to get baptized. Uh, there's a cards and stuff on your seats around you. And, man, just indicate. Let us know. Maybe you're baptized before you knew Jesus. Um, that's not the order of which the Bible talks about getting baptized. It's not something you do as a as kind of a rite of passage or confirmation or, or some kind of, um, you know, thing you do when you're a little baby. Um, I would encourage you that you get baptized after you know Jesus, and it's a picture of what God has done in you. If you get baptized before you know Jesus, it's, it's really just getting wet. Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> you just got wet, and that's cool, right? Um, but if you're curious or you have questions, because there's so much that goes around this and everything's, uh, you know, individual stories, just mark on there that you want to get baptized, and we'll reach out to you at the beginning of this week and just, just work with you, talk with you, see if it's something that uh, it's a step you uh, want to take or need to take. And so we'd love to help you on that journey. But there's nothing more exciting than really to see new believers uh, take that step. It's not just I know Jesus, but man, I'm unashamed of Jesus because he's done something inside my heart, inside my life. So who are you today? You are a, your voice. Your, your voice matters. It's the most important thing you can do is to, to share Jesus. Uh, you know, we live in a world that likes to say, uh, hey, just by osmosis, people know Jesus because I'm a good person. I'm, I'm living it out. I go to church on Sundays or a Bible. Like my, my uh, lifestyle evangelism is going to lead people to Jesus. And, and yes, you should walk the walk, right, that you talk. Talk, talk, walk, walk, right? But at the end of the day, um, you have to proclaim Jesus, amen? You have to bring it up. It, it didn't happen by osmosis, folks. Like, you're never going to be good enough. People go, hey, tell us about your God, you know? You, you've got to share Jesus. You've got to make this a part in your life to share, be a voice for the cause of Christ. So you are a voice today that recognizes sacrifice of Christ. Verse 35 says this. Then the next day, this is the third day, John was there again. It's John the Baptist with two of his disciples. This is an amazing story. He says, when they saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the lamb 
of God. And the two disciples, help me out, they what? They, they heard him say. It's not when they saw Jesus, but when they heard the voice of John the Baptist, they followed Jesus. This verse is so significant for us. This verse is beyond significant. Matter of fact, John the Baptist, this would have been the first time that he got to invite other people to Jesus. Can you imagine having a ministry of just preparation? It's like Noah, come on somebody, right? You're building an ark for 100 some years, just preparing the way. I mean, he's baptizing, he's got followers. I mean, he must have purely convinced these guys the Messiah was coming because all John, had, all John Baptist had to do was point out and say, behold, the Lamb of God. And these boys packed their stuff up and started stalking Jesus, amen? That's the kind of guy John the Baptist was. He was full on. He was all in. Like, they knew he was a, a follower of God, and he had prepared the way for them to know Jesus. Now, what's interesting about the story is this, is that these two followers, these two disciples, they didn't recognize God. They didn't recognize Jesus as the Son of God. They didn't recognize Jesus as the Lamb of God. They didn't recognize Jesus uh, as the one who's going to die across their sins. They didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one. They didn't recognize Jesus because they saw him. They recognized Jesus because John the Baptist told them. Amen? He told them. Do we honestly believe that people are going to show up to God because they see us? We got to help people understand, like, that's the work of God in their life. Like, you got to get around people and you got to say, hey, you know what? I feel like God's trying to show you something. And like, what do you mean by that? They're not even Christians, right? Well, I think God's trying to get your attention. Well, what, why do you say that? Or like, you ever thought about going to church? Like, if you ever need a church, we have a church for you. Like, it seems like you're struggling. Like, I love you. Like, man, can I just tell you what, what made the difference in my life? And maybe it makes a difference in your life. I'm not really sure. Like, could, can we present Jesus in like a conversation? Amen. Like, we don't have some trite, silly, whatever thing, but we're just doing life with people. People need your voice. Amen. Like, there's nobody who's going to show up to God without somebody going. We ended this last week with the passage in, in Romans 10, right? 14 and 15, how beautiful few of those who proclaim the good news of the gospel, right? How are they supposed to know unless somebody tell them? How are they supposed to tell them unless somebody sent? How beautiful the feet of those who go with the gospel. That's what we're called to do, amen? So, so the question as a Christian is, who, whose voice? Like, where are we taking our voice? Are we the kind of people that get back and say, dude, thank you, Jesus. You brought people in my life. Uh, this stranger, uh, I'm going to point them to Jesus. And some of you guys had the opportunity this last week uh, to share. I was just bragging on Tim a little bit. He was helping me out with my truck yesterday. And uh, he was telling me, he's like, man, I invited six people uh, to real life and just shared, shared a little bit at Bank of America. Come on, somebody. Bank of Doom. I mean, Bank of America, right? <laughs> they love you so much. They'll take your money, but I don't know if they help out a lot, right? <laughs> I love you, Make for America, right? But the, the, reality, the reality is this, is he's just in there just sharing Jesus, and some people are interested, and the one that he talked to said, you know what, thank you for inviting me to church because I've never in my entire life been invited to church. Dude, this is our city, right? This is our city. This isn't the backwoods of Bangladesh. This isn't some crazy mission work. This is Belton. Come on, somebody, right? Like, how in the world? I mean, it wouldn't be that hard for us to get out there and invite every single person to God. Ultimately, your goal is not to bring them to real life. Your goal is to bring them to Jesus, amen? Yeah. 
and just give them to his presence. Like, you don't have to, like, lead them to Jesus. I feel like you just give them to the cross, and they're around God's presence enough that God's presence just gets in them because Jesus has a way of just capturing. It's amazing. Jesus hung out with sinners all the time, and they loved hanging out with Jesus. Jesus is not some stuck-up, snooty, whatever thing, right? Like, he, he calls people that are in desperate darkness and in need, and he surrounds them with his grace, and then we get to proclaim the gospel, and he works in their heart, and they get changed because the Spirit of God comes in them, and they're baptized by the Spirit of God like John the Baptist talked about. Man, what greater message do we have? We are a voice, amen? I mean, we can take Jesus to Bank of America. We can take Jesus to Scooters, and Starbucks needs Jesus. Come on, somebody. We know they need Jesus, right? I mean, you can go around the whole city and just, just make a thing of it. Just be that guy, the voice. It feels like you're crying on the wilderness, right? Because you might feel like the only one, but I'm going to tell you today, your voice matters more than you think. It's so interesting. Think about this. If you're going to bring people to Jesus, not only do you have to answer the question who you are, that you're a voice, you have to recognize that the sacrifice Jesus made, but you have to recognize that your voice is so important. You have to use your voice to bring people to Jesus. You have to have those moments in your life where you say, I think God's trying to get your attention. Uh, you can grab a stack of cards, come on somebody, and you can just humbly invite somebody. Um, you, you can go out and uh, you can go on social media and you can share you can use that and leverage that. Imagine if Jesus walked in today. I bet your social media account would be a little different today. Come on, somebody. I mean, you might be hiding a little bit, a little quiet with Jesus. But today, if he walked in this room, it is going to be the headline. Come on, somebody. It's not going to make local news. It's not going to make Kansas City news or United States news. It's going to make worldwide news that Jesus was here. Amen. And that's the kind of movement that God is calling us to have with Jesus every single day of our life to make much of Jesus. You're like, that's weird. That's weird. That's weird. But that's the call of God, amen? That we're a voice, and then we humbly fade into obscurity. I want you to check this out. This is amazing. Verse 38. Here's what happens when other people find Jesus. I'll say this about John the Baptist real quick. This is the last time you see John the Baptist meeting with these two disciples. This is the last time you see John the Baptist. They were followers of John the Baptist, they were disciples of John the Baptist, but then became followers of Jesus. And John the Baptist goes behind the curtain and disappears. Is that not the perfect picture of what it is to be a Christian life? Like at the end of the day, it's not like, man, that Sean, it was a great preacher. Oh, man, he wrote these cool books. And, man, his church was awesome, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, Jesus. I just brought people to Jesus and disappeared. You know, anytime you read about John the Baptist in the Bible, anywhere in the Bible, he's always making much of Jesus. He's never boasting, he's never talking about himself. He's not talking about all the things that God's doing in his life. He's just saying, there's God. Behold the Lamb of God, and then fades into obscurity. Verse 38 says this, those two disciples are stalking Jesus. This is what happens. Verse 38, turning around, Jesus, he saw them. He saw these two disciples. They're following him. He says, what do you want? I noticed you behind me. You know, Jesus has eyes in the back of his head. Come on, somebody. And I saw you, and they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, what are you, or where are you staying? And he said this, and I love this. He said, come, he replied, and you will see. This is significant to note, that anytime somebody asks Jesus where he is going, anybody calls on Jesus, the first thing you'll see Jesus do, often do, he often says, hey, we'll come and see for yourself. You know, Jesus doesn't tell them to clean up their mess, 
or be perfect or they have to qualify themselves to be in his presence. No, Jesus is a humble invite all the time. He says, come and see. Just come and see. Come on with me. Because he knows if they get into his presence long enough that the presence of God is going to get into them. Amen. It is just going to happen. You see Jesus, he says all the time, hey, come and see. And then they get in the presence of God, and God just does a work in their life. And Jesus calls them out. He says, follow me. Be my disciple. Like, lay down yourself. He calls them to higher calling. And then he does one of the highest callings you can ever have as a Christian. He looks at them and says, now that you've come, and now that you've laid down your life as a disciple, now I want you to go and tell. Amen? And that's what this message is about. For those that are saying, you know what, God is calling me. He is sending you out to reach the world. So he said, come and see for yourself. And so when they saw where he was staying, they spent that day with him, and it was about what time? It was about four in the afternoon. Now, this is so significant. This, this piece of scripture that mentions the time, you're, you're going to realize that in the next verse that one of the disciples that's following Jesus is Andrew. He's one of the ones that's mentioned. But the second one is not mentioned in scripture. Like, there's no name. Like, who is the second disciple? And what's so unique about this passage, and you can't get past this, because this is what happens when somebody meets Jesus. See, who else would have known it was four o'clock in the afternoon when they met Jesus? Who would have known that? Well, the only person who had known that when the person who wrote the book, John. You know, John, the beloved, you know, the one that Jesus loved. You know, you know John, right, that, that he took care of Mary, Right, when Jesus crucified, you know, the same John that wrote the book of John, the first and second, third John and Revelation. Which what you understand about this, what's making it so significant is that when John met Jesus, this would have been like 30 AD, somewhere around that. And John didn't write this book until 90 AD. It had been 60 years since this boy met Jesus. And he still remembers the exact moment and time that he met Jesus. Is that incredible? And when you bring somebody to Jesus and you're just a voice crying in the wilderness of your life and somebody meets Jesus, you have forever frozen a moment in time for them because they realized that they were a sinner in need of a savior and they put eyes on Jesus and God forgave them and that moment changed their eternity. That's the story we get to play, amen? This is so significant. Four o'clock in the afternoon, just read through that. Oh, no, 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 no. Forever marked eternity. There's people in your life that you pour into and for 50 years later, they go, man, that one Sunday or that time at that dining room, ta dining room table or that moment that pipe burst in that house, that jankety apartment building I was at, and God broke a pipe, and I called on the name of Jesus. For the rest of his life, he's going to point to that moment in time. And we get to be people that, that make a path, that level the ground for people to call on Jesus. Amen? That's the call. I mean, John the Baptist, mission complete. Come on, somebody. Like, I pointed the way, and then somebody followed Christ, and they remembered their entire lives, and he changed them from the inside out. I Man, it doesn't get better than this. Can I tell you, your voice matters more than you think? Matter of fact, this is really cool, is when you, when you get the opportunity to bring somebody to Jesus, most of the time, most often, they bring somebody back with them. And it's so incredible. Check it out in verse 40. It says, Andrew, this is the other one that was following John the Baptist who walked with Jesus. This is Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. He had heard John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God 
and he went and stalked Jesus. Verse 41 says this, don't miss it. It says the first thing Andrew did was to what? Was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, tell him, we have found the Messiah, this is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Man, how incredible. The first thing, he spends a day with Jesus, a few hours with Jesus. I don't know what Jesus says. You know, it's not in the Bible. But whatever Jesus said to Andrew and John was so compelling, it was so heartfelt, it was so soul-shaping that when Andrew left that moment, he stalked down his brother Simon. He went everywhere to find him. When he got him, he grabbed by the arm and said, you're gonna get your butt to Jesus. Come on, somebody. He brought him to Jesus. Isn't that so incredible? We, we can never get past this in our Christian life where we bring people to Jesus. You know, statistics say that most Christians will lead one person to Jesus in their entire lives. One person. So you can be a Christian since you're 15 or 20 years old and spend their entire life with a different title than a voice, with a different title than somebody's gonna go out in the wilderness and proclaim God. We get so wrapped up in all the minutia, all, all, all the phony, right? All things that pipes burst and break, and we forget about Jesus. And so today is just a reminder of what it is when people find Jesus. They're so excited they found Jesus that they literally find the most important thing some in your life that's far from God, their brother, and they bring them to Christ. Isn't that incredible? That's generational change, amen? Generational change. You know, without John the Baptist, you have no John, right? And God knew, and God used John's voice. And without John the Baptist, you, you have no Andrew. And you have no Andrew, you have no Peter, right? You have no Simon. You have no church that launches because of a voice, amen? God will use your voice, just a single voice. And this is probably the best part of the story, verse 42. This is what happens when Simon meets Jesus. Verse 42, second half. It says, Jesus looked at Simon and said, you are Simon, son of John. Some of your versions say son of Jonah. That's the Aramaic form of John. It says, you are Simon, son of John, and you'll be called, you will be called Cephas, which is Aramaic which when translated is Peter. I mean, think about this. The very first moment that Simon, who is now drugged by his brother to Jesus, the very first interaction that Jesus has is he looks over at Simon and says, you, my friend, are given a new name. And your name is Peter because you have a purpose for your life. You're gonna be a rock. You're gonna walk on water, boy. You're gonna go out and make a difference. You're gonna cut that guy's ear off. Right? The crowd that's gonna take Jesus down and Peter's gonna go after him. You're gonna be the guy that's gonna deny me. I'm gonna restore you. And on you, boy, we're gonna change the world and we're gonna launch the church. First time he met him. Is that incredible? I just can't think about like, wow, how crazy it is. All the empty seats, right? All the people we walk by, everybody drive down the highway with. And God already has a new name. And here's a new purpose planned for them. Is that incredible? Who are we today? We're a voice. And your voice matters more than you think. John the Baptist rose up a voice in a generation and then went into obscurity. We're, we're a voice. 
in season and out of season, amen? We're, we're a voice that maybe has little faith. Uh, we're a voice that's struggling. We're a voice that has messed up lives. The voice that have it all together. The, 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 the voice that, that Satan wants to tell you to keep quiet. That the world says you're a relic or irrelevant. We're the voice that points people to Jesus, amen? We're the voice that says God is the lamb and he died for us. We recognize the sacrifice he made and every moment, every chance we get, we point people to Jesus, amen? And we humbly, our voice is humble enough to say, I'm not even worthy to untie the sandal of Jesus. I'm not worthy to be a slave of Jesus, but by his grace, I am saved. And so today we're a voice that goes after people that we love and people that we even don't love. Come on, somebody. We should love and we bring in the Jesus. And we're the voice that sits back and watches as God multiplies disciples because those people are so excited. You know when somebody visits church, they often come back with somebody else. Do you know that? People don't come back alone. And so when you're like making a difference, it may feel like a little conversation. You are, you're the voice of generational change, amen? You're the voice that has forever changed the course of history for that family, maybe even for a city or for a nation because you just stood up. So you're the voice that maybe feels like you're in the wilderness. You're the voice that makes a path to Jesus. And so that's why we do all this, remove obstacles for people to know Christ. And so today, I just wanna know, are you ready to raise your voice in this generation, amen? Are you ready to lift your voice for things to Christ? Those who may be a little timid and a little like Diane, you want some you know, bamboo shoots on your fingernails before you get out there, right? You're introverted, right? But I would encourage you, there's a way to share, amen? And it's moments with people all day long, you have moments. So I'm not praying for a moment, I'm praying for boldness. I'm praying just to say, you know what? I'm just a voice today. I'm just gonna humbly serve God. I'm not gonna put my name in lights. I'm just gonna be a servant. I'm gonna point people to Jesus and they follow Jesus and they, yes. And I fade off and then they return the cycle over and over and over. Raise definition, man. A voice. A voice today. Father, we come before you. God, I pray. God, our church would rise up as a voice in our community. God, individuals today, God, I pray for to speak to somebody today. Man, it's been timid. Let's put everything else in front of this. That's been keeping the voice quiet. It's hiding it under a, a basket. Their light's not shining. And today I pray you just rise up people. God, raise up people. God, that would proclaim the good news of the gospel everywhere they go. I pray today that we'd be able to bring people to Jesus. God, who is the person in our life that you've called us to bring? What lost siblings and people in our block and our coworkers do we need to bring today? And so God, we'll pray for those that are speaking, that you're speaking today to raise their voice up in this generation, just like you did in John the Baptist and Andrew and Peter. God, John, God, we play this part of a story that pauses the moment in time for people as they meet you, that turn you be changed. So if that's you and you say, you know, I need to raise a voice higher. Uh, God, God's speaking to me. Holy Spirit's speaking to me. I've been, I've been the back burner, but today I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on the front burner for Jesus. Like I gotta find some people. I gotta lift my voice up on all the platforms. I'm gonna leverage my life for Christ. If that's you, just raise your hand high in this place. Come on, these gonna be the, God's gonna use my voice. Come on, put up your hand up if that's you today. See your hands all around. Father, you see the hands. God, thank you for calling people. God, to be the voice, just preparing hearts. God, just leveling out paths. God, just pulling people to you. Maybe it's on the, maybe it's when we're in the garage working on the car or it's out in the world, God. Maybe it's from a pulpit. 
God, you have just given a mouthpiece, God. We can lift up your voice in this generation. I pray for one more group of people, and that's those of you um, that you're like Simon. Somebody brought you here today. Somebody maybe drug you here today. Somebody said you get to real life. You need to be a part of this. And you realize today that God wants to give you a new name. That God wants to give you a purpose today. You realize who Jesus is, that he's the lamb of God, that he died on the cross for you. And today you need new life in him. You, you, need, a, you need a word from the word today. You need, you need to call on him. You've made every other phone call today, but today you're going to call on Jesus. And so today if that's you, if you need forgiveness, you need new life, Paul says, anybody who calls the name of the Lord shall be saved, forgiven, and made new. So if that's you today, if you're looking around and you need Jesus, just lift your hand high in this place. I need Jesus today. I'm going to put the hand up if that's you. I need Jesus. That's you today. I want you to pray this prayer and say, Father God, thanks so much for sending Jesus, for sending your best down the cross for me, God. God, thank you so much for being the Lamb of God. You sacrifice yourself. You do it without protesting and your suffering. God, that you do it without protesting a sacrifice for me, God. You've made me clean. God, the Holy Spirit's coming in my life. God, you're washing away my sins white as snow. God, thank you so much for loving me enough to send Jesus and raise up voices in my life that would so humbly point me to you. God, we love you and thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give it up for God today. Come on. Man, if that's you today, and you made that decision for Jesus, you prayed that prayer, I want you to know that we are so excited for you. Congratulations, we are all in for you. We can't wait to see what's gonna happen next in your life, what God's got for you. So if that's you today, whether you're in online or you're with us in person, I've got a couple great next steps for you. The first one is let us know about your decision by texting RLNEXT to 97000. What we wanna do is when you fill out that information card, we wanna bless you with this little book called Begin, and it's got a big blessing in it. It's a great way to get you started off on the right foot. It's a short little book, but it's a great step to get you guys started off to follow Jesus, become a disciple, become a follower in the way that the Bible would have you. So uh, when you fill that out, we would love to send that to you uh, in the mail. If you were with this in person, the other thing we've got for you is on your way out, there's a red bag. So grab one of those inside, there's a Bible. Sean talked about having a Bible. Take it, bring it back next week. It's awesome. It's just how you find God's purpose for you in your life. And so take that, the other great resource in there. So again, we're so excited for you. Thank you so much. And we're excited just to partner with you and to see what God's got for you. I loved how Sean talked about your voice. And there's a lot of different voices in here. Some of us have deep voices, some of us have high voices, some of us are quiet, some of us are loud. But can I tell no matter where you fall on that spectrum, your voice is important. And God's gonna use it in his sovereign way just to reach the circles that you have in your lives. Because there's people in your circles that none of us are ever gonna meet. So the best way that you can use your voice in the next couple weeks is you're gonna have an awesome opportunity just to lift that voice and reach into those circles and invite people out to Easter. And you can do that in several different ways. And on your chairs or the chair next to you, there's these Easter cards, grab one of those. You can just make a simple invite, just talk to somebody about, hey, I know what's going on in your life. God's got something for you in that. Come hang out with us Easter. You can uh, share the event on Eventbrite. So there's so many ways that you can use your voice just to, just to tie into people. And we're gonna blow this place up. It's so exciting, I hope no, you guys can't wait. We're gonna have three special gatherings at 8, 30, 10 and 11, 30, just to make room for the new people that God is gonna bring into the room. And we're not leaving the kids out. They're gonna have an awesome, an awesome, awesome time back there. They've got their own, uh, their own uh, egg, egg hunt, uh, photo booth. So it is gonna be cool. What an awesome opportunity to invite families with, uh, with kids 
So we can't wait to see how, uh, how God's going to use that and bless that. One of the other things we're going to do next week as we prepare for Easter, we're going to do something called communion. It's a way that we can time to, it's going to give us a time to sit and reflect on what God did for us in that moment leading up to his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. We can reflect on his suffering, what he did for us to bring redemption into our lives. So prepare your hearts next week for that as well as we all participate in communion. So if you're new at Real Life, can I let you guys know we don't want anything from you. We want something for you. This gathering is our gift to you. But if you call yourself a member and you're, uh, you're home here at Real Life, there's still three ways you can participate in generosity. And the first one is by going online at reallifechurchkc.com. You can text any amount to 84321, or if you want to use cash or check, you can drop that in the box at the back or use one of these buckets uh, as, they, as they come back. Also, as these buckets pass, if you or your family find yourself in immediate need of food, clothing, or shelter, please reach in and grab any loose cash that you see just to help your family in the time of need. So I want to... Give your attention one more thing on your chair, the chair next to you. Sean talked about these cards. We're about to watch a video in a second. As God's leading you or you have something or questions about baptism, you've never done that, you've never taken that next step, as you're watching this video, grab one of these cards, fill it out, and drop it off at the baptism booth. And we would love just to talk to you about if this is the next step for you in your life. So take a second and check out this video. Hey, Real Life, we have something so special and so significant happening here in a life for our church in just two Sundays. And of course, it's Easter Sunday, but something significant is happening each and every gathering on that Sunday. We are baptizing here at Real Life Church. And Jesus, he not only commands us to, but he actually models for us what it is to be baptized. It's so important in the life of a believer to take this step. And so for those of you who may wonder, what is this all about? It's simply a picture of what Jesus did for us on Easter Sunday, that he was buried, he was dead, and he resurrected for life. And so for us, we were dead to sin and are made alive to Jesus. And so I'd invite you to sign up today. You may be just curious, maybe a little nervous, maybe afraid of what to expect. Uh, we're going to help you every step along the way for this journey from just giving knowledge about it to walking through it. You can even see what happens on Sunday, how excited we are for you. And so this is a step of obedience towards Christ is just saying, hey, to the whole world, I'm in love with Jesus. I'm passionate about Jesus. And I want the world to know that I love Jesus. And so get signed up today. Go to our website, click on events, and let us know that you're interested. And we'd love to help you with your next step in your faith journey this Easter Sunday. So excited for Easter for baptism. Uh, come hang out with us next week as we conclude our series on bring, tearing the roof off is to bring the people to the feet of Jesus. We're going to hear some more stories about prodigals that have come home, so don't miss next week. If you, need any, if you need prayer for any reason, we'll have a team member up here. We would love to pray with you. And as always, as you guys leave, remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you next week.